I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Story time. A friend and I had planned a hunting trip in the vast wilderness of the Crane Prairie area. The end. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Participation of tracking deer and immersing ourselves in nature's embrace filled our hearts with excitement. Little did we know that this adventure would take an unexpected turn. As we made our way along the desolate path that hugged the Deschutes River Channel, the landscape appeared eerily different. The water levels were significantly low due to a prolonged period of drought, revealing a barren and desolate terrain. It was then that we stumbled upon something that sent chills down our spines, five distinct footprints etched deeply in the soft sand. Examining the footprints closely, I couldn't shake off the feeling of unease that crept over me. These imprints were unlike any I had seen before. They were far too large to be made by an ordinary person, and the depth of the impressions suggested an immense weight behind them. Despite the skepticism of a local resident who claimed they were a bow hunter's prank, I couldn't help but question that explanation. The authenticity of these footprints seemed undeniable, leaving me to ponder the presence of something extraordinary. Intrigued and determined to uncover the truth, I delved into the lore surrounding the area. It was during my research that I stumbled upon a map, meticulously documenting numerous sightings of the Sasquatch in the same vicinity. The map was a treasure trove of accounts from both locals and explorers who claimed to have encountered the elusive creature. Their descriptions mirrored the very footprints we had discovered, further fueling our curiosity and sense of adventure. My friend and I decided to venture deeper into the wilderness, following the map's markings in search of answers. We carefully navigated the rugged terrain, constantly scanning our surroundings for any signs of movement or unusual activity. Hours passed, and as the golden hues of the setting sun painted the landscape, we found ourselves deep within the heart of the forest. Suddenly, a hush fell over the forest, as if nature itself held its breath. A moment later, we heard a rustling in the underbrush, followed by a low growl that sent shivers down our spines. Our hearts raced as we slowly turned to face the source of the sound. And there, amidst the towering trees and dappled sunlight, stood a creature unlike anything we had ever witnessed. It was Sasquatch. Towering at least 11 feet tall, covered in a shroud of thick, dark hair, it possessed a presence that commanded both awe and respect. Its powerful frame exuded a sense of primal strength and wisdom, while its eyes gleamed with an ancient knowing. Time seemed to stand still as we locked eyes with this extraordinary being. There was a profound sense of connection as if we were standing on the precipice of an age-old secret. In that moment, the doubts and uncertainties melted away, replaced by a deep sense of wonder and reverence. But our encounter with Sasquatch was fleeting. With a gentle nod, the enigmatic creature melted back into the wilderness, leaving us in a state of awe and disbelief. We stood there, humbled by the realization that there were mysteries in this world far beyond our comprehension. As we made our way back to civilization, we carried with us the memory of that extraordinary encounter. When I was 11 years old, 
my father decided to treat us to a sledding adventure on a logging road not too far from our home. The location boasted higher elevation, guaranteeing better snow for our winter escapade. We gathered our excitement and set off to a place known as the Five Mile Cause, named after the steep hill it featured. As we arrived at our destination, I couldn't contain my enthusiasm. The left side of the hill was adorned with towering timber, while the right side revealed a vast clear-cut. At the bottom of the hill, a road emerged, stretching into the open expanse. My father, the ever-prepared adventurer, had even built a fire at the top of the hill to keep us warm as we indulged in the thrill of sledding. Eager to experience the rush, I decided to embark on a solo run down the hill. With adrenaline coursing through my veins, I slid down the slope, feeling the wind whip past me. Finally, I reached the bottom and gracefully came to a stop. Excitedly, I hopped off the sled and rose to my feet, ready to relish in the triumph of my speedy descent. But as I turned to my right, an unexpected sight froze me in my tracks. Two towering figures stood before me, their presence both mesmerizing and unsettling. These creatures, larger than any I had ever seen, locked their gaze upon me. In that moment, time seemed to stand still, and an inexplicable fear gripped my heart. Without a second thought, I pivoted on my heels and began walking away from the enigmatic beings. At first, my steps were cautious and deliberate, my eyes darting back to ensure I was not being pursued. But the growing sense of urgency urged me to quicken my pace. As my heart raced, I broke into a run, propelled by an instinctual need to distance myself from the unknown. Last fall, in the vast expanse of Bridger Teton National Forest, I embarked on an unforgettable journey with a group of friends. Our road trip was not centered around hunting or any particular purpose, rather, it was a venture fueled by our shared love for exploration and the great outdoors. Our destination was set, and with a friend en route to Jackson Hole Airport, we secured a coveted spot in the Spread Creek dispersed camping area, nestled within the embrace of nature's tranquility. As we set up camp and made preparations, a fleeting thought crossed our minds, urging us to ascend the hill and seek solace in higher grounds. However, a collective decision swayed us to remain in our chosen site, content with the natural beauty that surrounded us. Little did we know that this choice would lead us on a path intertwined with the enigmatic and the unknown. Returning to our camp after retrieving our friend from the airport, we were greeted by an unexpected visitor, a sizable dogman-like creature. Bipedal with dark fur. Emerged from the very spot we had claimed as our own. A mix of awe, trepidation, and respect washed over us as we observed the majestic creature in its habitat. It was a first-time encounter for most of us, a moment that left us slightly uneasy as we settled into our tents for the night. The following day dawned, and as we began the process of packing up our belongings, a group of National Forest Rangers made their way up the trail towards us. Their arrival brought with it a sense of urgency, as they informed us that the campground would be closed shortly after our departure. Their words hung in the air, hinting at an incident that had taken place nearby, but they divulged no further details. Intrigued and unnerved by the ranger's cryptic message, 
We couldn't help but wonder what lay concealed just beyond the ridge. Little did we know that the missing girl, whose disappearance had garnered national attention and ignited countless headlines, had been found merely a quarter mile from our campsite. The intertwining paths of chance and fate had brought us to a place where the echoes of tragedy resonated, unbeknownst to us until that moment. As we departed from that serene haven, our hearts heavy with the weight of the unknown, we carried with us an indelible reminder of the fragility of life and the enduring mysteries that lie within the realm of the wilderness. I'm Officer Miller, and I've had some extraordinary encounters in New London County while on patrol. It all started one night around midnight. I was sitting in my parked cruiser when, to my astonishment, I spotted a creature just 15 feet away. It was large, covered in short dark hair, and completely devoid of any clothing or jewelry. But what truly caught my attention were its massive gray eyes that emitted an eerie glow, like a flashlight cutting through the darkness. Several months later, I received information about an unrelated incident involving three missing individuals who were hunting in the same area where I had encountered the creature before. Determined to investigate further, I gathered a team and set up traps, hoping to catch a glimpse or any evidence of its presence. Despite our efforts, the heavy rainfall hindered our search, and we came up empty-handed. Five weeks passed, and I had long forgotten about the incident when I received a phone call at home. It was the deputy sheriff in charge of the missing person's case, asking if I had witnessed anything unusual. Due to the persistent rain, I knew the creature wouldn't have left any traceable evidence. Nevertheless, I recounted what I had seen five weeks earlier, a towering figure measuring around seven to eight feet in height, with short dark hair and a face that was nothing short of grotesque. And those eyes, still vivid in my memory, glowed with a strange gray hue. During the summer of 1973, I heard another chilling account from Detective Bradson. He was called to investigate reports of an unknown animal slaughtering livestock. Initially presumed to be a wolf or coyote, it quickly became apparent that something far more mysterious was at play. As Bradson walked through the woods, he stumbled upon large tracks that led him into a dense swamp area, enveloped by thick vegetation. It was in that moment that an unsettling feeling washed over him, an eerie sensation of being watched. And in the distance, he caught sight of a pair of bright green eyes. Reacting instinctively, Bradson drew his gun and fired a warning shot into the air. But as quickly as the eyes appeared, they vanished, leaving him with a sense of impending danger. As darkness descended upon the surroundings, Bradson decided it was best to retreat. He couldn't shake the feeling that whatever lurked in those woods was observing his every move. The description he gave of the creature mirrored the one I had encountered in my own report, though his encounter occurred four years prior to mine. These unsettling events continue to baffle us, leaving us with more questions than answers. What is this enigmatic being that roams our county? Is it merely a figment of our imagination or something far more tangible? As an officer dedicated to serving and protecting, it is my duty to uncover the truth behind these strange encounters, no matter how unnerving they may be. When I was younger, I worked as a ranger in a Georgia park. 
Most of my nights were spent instructing people not to leave out offerings for bears and other animals. But every now and again, I got a call about rowdy teens or even rowdier adults. It was a thankless job, but dealing with the public often was. One night, as I leaned back in my chair, trying to stay awake by listening to a podcast, the phone rang. Normally, I relished the action. The night shift was miserable without it. But it was freezing cold outside tonight, and I had no registered campers. The last thing I wanted to do was leave the central heating of my post to go and hunt down a group of kids that ran off to make out in the woods. Frustrated before I had the chance to say hello, I brought the phone to my ear, waiting for somebody to say something. However, no matter how I called out to the other person, there was only heavy breathing in response. Nothing like a good old-fashioned prank call to make me hate youth just a bit more than I already did. I hung up, resuming my podcast, content to doze off until morning. But the prank caller had other plans. They called four times, only ever breathing heavier into the receiver. By the fifth call, my patience was at its end. I answered with a sharp what? Only to have it steamrolled by crying and begging a muddled voice that was nearly indecipherable. I don't remember how long I spent trying to calm her down before she finally choked something out, by the river, please help. The line went dead, because why wouldn't it have? And then nobody else called. All efforts to call her back were met with the telltale ring of a busy phone line. But by the river was too vague. The river stretched through most of the park. It would take hours to comb the area on my own. But when I realized it was my line that was cut, I had no other choice. I grabbed my shotgun off the wall, hoping almost desperately that it was just a bear taking a break from hibernation to hassle a woman for her peanut butter sandwich and not another psychopath. Hello, is anybody out there? I stood on the doorstep with my ear to the wind, hoping to get some kind of clue for what direction to head off into. I was met with silence. I heaved a sigh of defeat and chose a direction at random. When I found her, I swore I'd give her a good old piece of my mind. And not only was it freezing, but the trails were pretty clear about not getting near the river. They were endless, deadly combinations lurking within their depths. And some said the danger did not solely lie beneath the water. Some said that the grey woman walked along the banks, crying out for help in an effort to lead compassionate bystanders into the water. A story I didn't necessarily believe, but it was entertaining nevertheless. The stories my co-workers came up with never ceased to tickle me. I was about 30 minutes away from the ranger station when I stepped on something squelching beneath my boots. It was hard to make out in the darkness, but as I knelt down before the mass, I realized exactly what I was dealing with. Someone's wet clothes sat in a heap, discarded in a hurry in an effort to warm up after falling in. And the ice was rarely thick enough to bounce an acorn off, let alone pretend to be capable of holding a human's weight. So, I can only wonder how anybody could have gotten so soaked. Even if they'd slid down the bank, there was no way they'd been submerged the way these garments suggested. I was about to start searching for blood trails when a voice came from the trees. It was nothing more than a hiss, but it sent my heart into overdrive. My first instinct was to haul it back to where I came from, to leave the whispers behind once and for all. 
but the shotgun in my hand was more than capable of turning a human into Swiss cheese, so I pushed forward. I called into the trees, demanding that the person hiding amongst the leafless branches come out with their hands up. When nothing happened, I called again, this time warning them that I'd shoot if they did not say something. Stop screaming. She'll hear. The voice from the trees didn't seem to understand the concept of packing heat. I could only wonder if she was in the throes of a psychotic break and there was nothing else out there after all. Yet, she was huddled amongst the vegetation, whimpering about some mysterious she. I was moments from threatening her with the cops when I heard the same voice from over the phone. It was just as hysterical as it had been, just as watery and hard to understand. If not for the icy hand on my wrist, I'd have followed the voice of the person I'd originally gone searching for. It was my job to help those in need on the trail, and I had no reason to hesitate. But the woman's hold was unbreakable in that moment, and her hissed warning to stay still made me think twice. I tried to help her, the woman told me. Her face was a breath away from my own, but she was as cold as the rocks along the river's edge. The heat that radiated from living beings was completely missing in her. But my attention went elsewhere as the voice called for help again. And if you don't want to end up like me, you'll go back the way you came. I had no idea what to account for. I could only assume this was the poltergeist of a woman who had passed. My mind raced with possibilities, each one more unsettling than the last. I had no intention of becoming a ghostly apparition haunting the park, trapped in eternal torment. With a mix of fear and determination, I made the difficult decision to heed the warning. I turned on my heels, retracing my steps through the treacherous trails. The whispers and eerie voices that had accompanied me throughout the night seemed to fade away, as if the park itself was releasing me from its clutches. As I reached the ranger station, I couldn't help but feel a sense of relief wash over me. I may not have found the woman who called for help, but I had survived the encounter with whatever haunted those woods. And that was enough for now. Days turned into weeks, and the incident became a haunting memory. I continued my duties as a park ranger, but with a newfound respect for the unknown that lurked within the wilderness. I often wondered about the mysterious caller, the woman by the river, and the voice that warned me to turn back. Was it all a figment of my imagination, a manifestation of the park's dark history? Or was there something truly sinister dwelling within its depths? Regardless, I knew one thing for certain, the park held secrets that were best left undisturbed. And as I patrolled the fog-laden trails, I couldn't help but feel a shiver down my spine, a reminder that some mysteries were meant to remain unsolved. I have a friend whose father worked for the Forest Service. We found Skookum Lake from one of his maps. This was a primitive campsite just north of Bagby Hot Springs. As soon as we arrived, we set up camp and went for a long hike up Thunder Mount after the hike the sun was beginning to set. All four of us were beat, so we got ready for bed. No drinking, no drugs, no funny stuff. Exhausted, I fell asleep as soon as I hit my mummy bag. Sometime during the night, I heard some noises, not your usual nighttime forest noises. I heard large rocks being thrown down the ridge, banging off the other rocks on the way down. 
And from the hike earlier in day I noticed a large pile of boulders near the top of the ridge. It sounded like something was hunting for something. I sat up in my tent 100% alert. I wasn't dreaming. I tried to wake up my friends, but was frozen stiff. I was surprised no one else woke up. Finally I was asleep, only to be awakened to footsteps outside our camp. It didn't sound like a bear, because the footsteps were spaced apart longer than a four-legged animal. I could not talk, so I tried to throw my socks at my friends. Nothing at all. I forced myself to sleep. And the next day I only asked if anyone else woke up last night to any loud noises. No one did, so I never mentioned the rocks, and footsteps. There were no footprints anywhere. We didn't like all the mosquitoes, so we left Skookum Lake for another camp. It won until a few years later when I read about other incidents at Skookum. That's why I think it may have been the Sasquatch. Eleven of us gathered at the crack of dawn, a motley crew of seasoned hunters, each with our own stories etched onto weathered faces and calloused hands. We were embarking on a hunting trip like no other, deep into the untamed wilderness of Oklahoma. Our rifles gleamed in the morning light, a testament to our prowess and determination. As we ventured further into the remote wilderness, our senses sharpened, attuned to every rustle of leaves and fleeting shadow. The air grew heavy with anticipation, and a sense of foreboding washed over us. It was as if the forest itself held its breath waiting for our first encounter. Days turned into nights, and with each passing moment, the weight of an unseen presence pressed upon us. The cryptid, an unknown entity lurking in the depths of the forest, haunted our every step. Whispered tales of its ferocity and insatiable hunger filled our campfire conversations, fueling both curiosity and fear. Then it began, a hunter would vanish without a trace, leaving behind nothing but unanswered questions and a chilling silence that hung in the air. Fear gripped our hearts as the encounters grew more frequent, and the cryptid reveled in our despair. One by one, our numbers dwindled, falling victim to the wrath of this supernatural predator. Desperation consumed us, and we realized the true nature of our foe, a dogman, a creature akin to the mythical werewolf, prowling through the darkness with lethal intent. The final hunter, battered and bloodied, stood alone against the relentless assault. He clutched his rifle tightly, determined to defy the odds. A fierce battle ensued, gunfire ripping through the stillness of the forest, but the dogman proved resilient, shrugging off the hunter's bullets. Just as the werewolf lunged forward, ready to deliver the final blow, it froze, sensing a presence in the distance. With a primal howl, it vanished into the shadows, retreating to the sanctuary of the woods. Moments later, a park ranger emerged from the depths of the forest, drawn by the echoing turmoil. With a mixture of relief and pain, he rushed to the injured hunter's side, offering solace and aid. It was a bittersweet victory. My grandfather told me this story when I was a teenager. I'm 52 now. My granddad grew up in the woods of central New Brunswick, in a very remote area, where only survivalists go now. Their whole family lived out in the sticks. They lived by hunting, fishing, trapping, 
and some logging. Grandad said, when he was a teenager, he and his older brother, Duke, were up, in the early hours, checking trap lines, on an old motorbike. It was early fall. Frost was on the grass and early morning mist still hung around the forest edges. He was rolling cigarettes with his brother and they were out of matches, so they dipped a bit of cloth in the gas tank and ignited it off the coil wire, while Duke kicked the bike over. The sound of a bike being kicked over, without an ignition, is sort of like an animal call. That's how my granddad described it. Anyways, just as they started smoking their cigarettes, my grandfather noticed something bounding through the tree line, toward them. Grandad said it ran in a way a bear did, but it stopped several yards away from them and stood up, on its hind legs. It was still too far away to tell what it was, but they assumed it was a black bear because they are very common in New Brunswick. That's when it began walking, upright, toward them. As it got nearer, Grandad said it looked like a huge werewolf. His family origin was German, so this was not unknown. It got as close as 20 feet away from them and then began to eye them closely. It sniffed their smokes and then turned and hopped slash ran back to the trees. Grandad said they were not scared. He said they were only shocked that such a creature was living in the woods. Grandad said it was taller than any man, had a huge head, evil eyes, long, upright ears, hands with long claws, and had hair all over its body. I can't remember what color he said its fur was, but he said it had wolf-like legs. Back when I was in grade school, I had a memorable turkey hunting experience in the wilderness of Missouri. It was a crisp morning, and I set out with my gear, filled with anticipation for a successful hunt. Little did I know that the events of that day would forever etch themselves in my memory. As I patiently waited in my concealed spot, hoping to catch a glimpse of a turkey, I noticed a sudden burst of movement in the distance. A deer darted through the underbrush, pursued closely by two energetic coonhounds. Startled, I watched as they disappeared into the wilderness, leaving me intrigued by their unexpected presence. A couple of minutes passed, and to my surprise, a solid black figure emerged from the shadows, following the path of the deer and hounds. Assuming it was another dog, I thought nothing of it and continued to wait for my chance at a turkey. However, as time ticked by, an inexplicable sensation washed over me, tingling the hairs on the back of my neck. Something felt off. Instinctively, I turned around, a shiver of unease running down my spine. And there it was, a mere ten yards away, steadily advancing towards me, utter silence enveloping its presence. The sight before me was striking, an ebony creature with piercing eyes, making its way towards me with an uncanny grace. Its movements were fluid, and the absence of sound intensified the eerie encounter. I stood there, frozen in awe and confusion, unsure of what lay before me. In that fleeting moment, the black enigma altered its course, as if startled by my sudden awareness. With a quick change of direction, its tail dropped to the ground, forming a slight curl, a telltale sign of feline instincts. It was a sight that I would forever remember, a black crawler, a creature whose existence was often denied by the conservation authorities at the time, despite numerous reported sightings. 
In retrospect, I speculated that the majestic predator must have been drawn to the motion of my decoy as I walked through the brush. Perhaps it perceived the decoy as potential prey, silently stalking its simulated target. But my inadvertent turn had disrupted its plan, causing it to retreat into the wilderness, leaving me both relieved and intrigued by the encounter. My old neighbor, who committed S shortly after his experience, came to me with his experience. We were both registered Maine guides, hunting, fishing, recreation. Guiding in Maine is a serious business. The criteria are strict, and guides are expert woodsmen, with years of outdoors experience. Anyway, he confided in me about this sighting. He was hunting his own property during deer season of 2011. The property is located on the Jefferson-Washington town lines, which are also the Knox-Lincoln County lines, in Maine. The particular property is a Christmas tree farm, and is private property. My friend was watching a run, where deer regularly traveled, cutting through his property. He observed for about a minute a bipedal creature walking, with its upper body well above his Christmas trees. It had a wolf's head, was muscular, and covered in hair but walking like a man. At the end of the sighting, the creature dropped to all fours and took off down the run. He was shaking when he told me the story, and based upon my few years working in law enforcement, I don't believe he was lying. Both of us guided for bear hunters at the time, and I know he was very familiar with bears, and Maine wildlife in general. He made a particular emphasis on the pointed ears. He said it looked like a werewolf. In Maine, people do see these things, and generally call them Windigo. After that sighting, I carried a firearm going to my barn at night. I am certain that he told me the truth. Unfortunately, he for some reason committed S shortly after he told me about the sighting, which was very fresh at the time. The area has some large tracts of woods, with very limited access, due to private property. There is a stream passing through the area and some high ridges. Also, old cellar holes and stone walls are scattered throughout the forest behind the property. Food sources are plentiful in the area, with old apple trees, berry patches, deer, turkey, snowshoe hares. Bears are present in the area, but not in huge numbers. Moose are also present, but again not in huge numbers. While I still own a house very near the spot, I have moved to South Dakota, and have no intention of moving back to Maine, due to political economic reasons. I am curious if other Maine folks have seen these things. It seems to me that people have, but always in hushed conversations about an uncle. Several years ago, during a chilling October evening, my friend and I embarked on a drive from Waldo to Cultus. The road was familiar to us. But as dusk settled in, the surrounding landscape transformed into an eerie and shadowy realm. As we maneuvered through the dwindling light, our headlights pierced the darkness, revealing an unexpected sight. A lone figure emerged from the gloom, trudging forward despite the biting cold. Clad only in a t-shirt and shorts, he seemed ill-prepared for the harsh elements that awaited him on his journey towards Cultus. Concerned for his well-being, we decided to stop and offer him a ride. 
Rolling down the window, I called out to him, asking if he needed assistance and if he wanted a lift to the nearby resort. To my surprise, his response sent a shiver down my spine. With an unsettling intensity in his eyes, the man looked at me and uttered a phrase that still echoes in my memory, you're going to take me to La Pine. His words were laced with an inexplicable demand, as if he expected nothing less than compliance. Caught off guard by his unwavering insistence, I attempted to reason with him, explaining that we were unable to accommodate his request to travel all the way to La Pine. I offered to drop him off at the resort, which was a more reasonable distance. However, his response was far from what I expected. In an alarming twist, the man swiftly produced a pocket knife, the glint of the blade reflecting the fading light. He repeated his demand with a chilling certainty, you're taking me to La Pine. The gravity of the situation suddenly became all too real, and the adrenaline surged through my veins. Maintaining a calm facade, I assessed the situation and made a quick decision. Sensing the potential danger, I chose to prioritize our safety and promptly drove away, leaving the mysterious man to his solitary trek in the desolate darkness. Not a sighting but hearing two very unusual howls in the woods behind my property October 1st shortly after midnight, full moon too, so it was almost like your classical horror movie script. I live in the town of New Portland, Maine. Lived in the Maine woods all my life and I am very familiar with the sounds of local wildlife. It certainly weren't coyotes, as I hear them mostly every night. Not Bigfoot-like sounds either, as I looked up on the internet. Two short howls about 20 seconds apart from each other, K9 in nature, but deeper and louder, big lungs. Hard to determine the proximity, could have been as far away as a half a mile from my property, but it sounded nearby nonetheless and I had a strong gut reaction to better go inside, while I've never felt threatened by any wildlife sounds before. Just reporting this as backup in case there would be reports of sightings in this area. I also like to report a possible sighting that a friend told me. In August of 2016 early evening he got chased out of a farm in Lexington Me, which is not too far from here. He is an avid hunter and he described it as something way bigger than a bear or a moose. He was alerted by his two Rottweilers in the back of his truck going in full panic mode, when he saw something huge standing on two legs next slash behind a tree 20 feet away in his rear view mirror. It then leapt on all fours toward his truck. He started the truck and bolted out of there, seeing the thing chase him in the mirror for a short while. Don't think he reported it as he still can't really accept what he saw and he doesn't like talking about it. I did not know about Dogman back then when he told me, just started researching after I heard the unusual howls I heard a couple of days ago. I hope this is useful to you. My experience was not a visual encounter, but hearing unusual howls, unusual enough to start searching the internet. I listened to the audios on the link you sent me, honestly what I heard was not alike any of those, although it came closest to the third audio, which sounded more like coyote to me. What I heard was the howl being shorter in duration, but deeper and louder. Exactly this aspect suggests that it was bigger than a coyote, wolf or dog. That and a gut feeling being very, very uncomfortable and feeling I need to go inside quickly. Like I said, 
I hear the coyotes almost every night around here. That howl was one time only, have not heard it since, and I am glad of that. The sighting in Lexington, 2016, was by a friend of mine. He told me once, just after it happened, but still can't come to terms with what he saw and he rather not talk about it. I had never heard of Dogman back then. It wasn't until I started researching your site and other material two weeks ago, that I connected the dots and realized that was probably what he had seen and what I might have heard. Altogether I thought I reported, as a confirmation in case of other reports in this area. When I think back to my high school days, a peculiar memory always comes to mind. It was a long time ago, but the events remain vivid in my mind, as if they happened just yesterday. One gloomy afternoon, my buddies and I received news of our friend's grandmother's passing. They lived in a secluded area, far from the bustling city and surrounded by nature's embrace. It was a place where the wind whispered secrets and shadows danced in the moonlight. A week after the funeral, seeking solace and distraction, we decided to go fishing. As we cast our lines into the calm waters, laughter mingled with the gentle ripples of the lake. Little did we know that an eerie surprise awaited us upon our return. As we approached my friend's grandmother's house, our eyes widened with disbelief. The lights inside were inexplicably switched on. A chill crept up my spine, and a sense of unease settled in the air. My friend confessed that this had been happening ever since his grandmother's passing. With a sense of duty mixed with trepidation, we entered the house and promptly turned off the lights. We decided to distract ourselves and headed out to grab a bite to eat. An hour passed, and as we returned, our hearts sank at the sight before us, the lights were on once again. Baffled and intrigued, we flicked the switches back to darkness, our minds spinning with possibilities. Could it be a faulty electrical system? Or perhaps an unexplained quirk of the house? Determined to uncover the truth, we ventured into every nook and cranny, clutching a gun for a false sense of security but our search yielded no results. There was no trace of anyone within those walls. Years ago me and five other people were drinking in the forest preserve. All but one of us were young men. This spot of preserve was surrounded by busy streets and had a large field with a creek that ran through the middle. The north part had a small patch of trees. They were very dense. If you walked 10 feet and you could not be seen from the street. We would park on residential streets and walk from the south and cross the creek. We felt like where we went into the trees we could see any car or person coming way before they could see us. To the north was a busy intersection, a lot with a restaurant and large store, and a parking lot that is closed after sundown. There is nowhere to easily park to the north, cemetery to the east and no parking to the west. There are some houses to the northeast and northwest. We are in the woods, drinking and being loud. The road noise covered us very well. At some point one of us stops and is staring to the north. He whispers someone is there. All I can see is the silhouette of legs through the trees. Someone walked through the whole patch of trees from the north to us maybe 10 feet into the woods on the south end of the trees. They are standing maybe 15 to 20 feet away. We didn't hear anything, 
Someone saw the silhouette when headlights hit the woods for a second. We are standing there all of us quiet. The person is not moving, they are standing still in the trees. Fallen trees are blocking most of them, but I can still see legs. We start to argue whether or not it's even a person. Finally my friend shouts hello to the person. Not a sound or move. He starts to take a step and asks do you know what time it is? The person finally moves. I can see them walking back to the north, slowly and quietly. They don't say a word, and very quickly we can no longer see them. We ran out of the woods and regrouped on the tree line to the south. We ended up finishing our beers and left an hour later. We did not go back into the woods that night. We never saw a car leave the lot or side street. I always figured they had to have walked from somewhere not near the woods. I also wondered what they were doing that six people didn't scare them off, a couple of us are big guys. It was the creepiest thing that has ever happened to me. As my friends and I were driving back home from the prom, we found ourselves on a secluded country road, nestled amidst the Portland slash Vancouver area. It was during this journey that I noticed something unsettling, something that sent a shiver down my spine. Glimpsing at one of the houses along that road, an inexplicable sense of unease washed over me. The feeling was so strong that I couldn't shake it off. Curiously, I observed that this eerie sensation seemed to permeate most of the houses lining that street, creating an atmosphere of dread and foreboding. Although none of us initially mentioned it, I eventually confided in one of my friends, a remarkably perceptive empath, who confirmed experiencing the same unsettling vibes. It was a relief to know that I wasn't alone in my apprehension. What struck me about these houses was their distinct appearance. They had a peculiar architectural style, characterized by front yards that seemed to extend inward, creating an enclosed atmosphere. All of them followed a ranch-style design, and their front yards boasted gardens adorned with numerous small pine trees. I couldn't pinpoint whether it was the house's appearance alone or something more intangible that triggered such a strong reaction within me. However, the moment we left that road, an overwhelming sense of relief washed over me, gradually dissipating the haunting feeling that had plagued us. Nonetheless, the events of that night linger in my mind, leaving me with questions that demand answers. I wonder if anyone else has had a similar experience in that area. Has this phenomenon been observed by others? I'm open to hearing theories and explanations that could shed light on what caused these unsettling vibes and the palpable sense of dread we encountered that night. One particular incident from my life has remained etched in my memory, its peculiarities haunting me to this day. It happened during a hiking expedition through a vast and secluded timber plantation. Accompanied by a guide and a few friends, we ventured deep into the wilderness, far from any signs of civilization. We had been trekking for several hours, planning to take a well-deserved break, when something caught our attention in the distance. It was an old car, parked approximately 100 yards ahead of us. Given the remote location, my initial assumption was that the car had been abandoned, so I paid little heed to it. However, as we approached, the details became clearer. Inside the vehicle, I spotted a weathered man, 
around 60 years old, occupying the driver's seat. Beside him sat a young boy, his face etched with fear. Both of them fixed their gaze upon us, their eyes filled with intensity. My instinctive urge was to approach them and inquire if they needed any assistance. However, before I could act upon it, our guide silently altered our course, veering away from the scene and hastening our pace. Strangely enough, none of us mentioned the incident afterward. It's as if a silent agreement had been forged to keep it buried within our collective memories. Nevertheless, the enigma persists, and the mere thought of why that man and the boy were in the heart of the woods, with the car turned off and windows sealed, watching us so intently, sends chills down my spine. This happened four years ago around New Year's at my house. I live in a pretty wooded area of Maryland. I actually have a nice trail in my backyard that leads to a stream. I go down here a lot with friends, my dog, and even just by myself. I've never encountered another person along this stream anytime I've been there. Because of this, I've always felt pretty at ease there, but still a bit cautious knowing my whole neighborhood could just as easily walk down their backyards and get to this stream, or people from the neighborhood against ours. On this day, we had some cousins over I believe to watch a Ravens game and just get together for the holidays. It was unusually warm for late December, probably around 50s 60s. We all moved outside to supervise my little cousins throwing a football around. My mom suggested that I take my younger cousins down the trail to the stream to burn off some energy. Honestly, I didn't want to because I was so bloated from food. But I did. I herded four pubescent boys down the trail to the stream and they kinda ran off ahead of me to climb on things and do whatever. I just hung behind to watch over them and make sure nobody did anything especially stupid, while playing on my phone. I kinda got this weird feeling while I was down there, and felt not at ease. Almost like a premonition. I turned around to look behind me and scan the woods, the first scan, everything was fine. Then I saw it. There was a dark figure in the distance, that looked male but I'm not entirely sure because of the distance, who was half behind a tree almost as if he was hiding and peeking out at me. When I spotted him, rather than go back behind the tree he stepped out and just stood beside the tree while I stared back. I had a really bad feeling and got the largest chill and immediately yelled for the boys to come back. They didn't listen to me at first, but I told them to get their asses back and didn't say why, just started hauling ass up the trail and made it back safely to my house, where I told everyone about the encounter. I'm sure nothing bad would have happened if we had stayed down there, but I really didn't want to find out. The Martin family had downsized their lives. A workplace injury had devastated Eric, and Shelley had left her job to take care of her husband. As a result, they were looking for a less expensive place to live. Shelley had found a beautiful, older farm in Palmyra that was just what they needed. It was surrounded by dense woods. Eric's family had always been hunters, and his fairly extensive collection of guns was a bone of contention with Shelley. With the help of Eric's son, Sean, Eric built a strongbox to hold the guns under lock and key in the barn. Eric and Shelley had a routine of evening coffee on the sheltered porch, provided it wasn't too cold out. 
One night, they notice strange, pulsating lights down past the tree line. At first, Sean thought it was just a poacher with a flashlight, but something didn't seem right. Shelley thought it was unnatural. Eric and Sean headed out into the field to investigate. As they approached the woods, the lights went out. It was so quiet, the snap of a tree branch underfoot echoed. Eric sent Sean around with his flashlight off, hoping to catch any potential poacher unaware. Eric felt something far beyond any fear he'd ever felt hunting. All Eric and Sean found was each other, not even a track on the ground to give them a hint of what they'd seen. Chelsea's boyfriend Nathan came for a visit, and they decided to go for a walk in the woods with the dogs. The dogs ran out ahead of them, catching a scent. When Chelsea and Nathan caught up, the dogs were rooting around by a large hole in the ground. Nathan thought the overly round hole had been dug with care. Chelsea had a bad feeling about the whole thing, and urged him to leave. Finally, he agreed. What had the dogs found? It was Memorial Day weekend, and Shelley was making the evening coffee. The dogs didn't want to go outside to their pen. Something wasn't right. Eric noticed that it was particularly quiet on that misty evening. When Eric heard an odd sound in the distance, he knew there was some sort of danger out there. Eric began to usher Shelley into the house. She protested, but when she heard some rustling in the distance, accompanied by five sets of eyes looking back at them, she realized the danger. They rushed into the house and locked the door. Eric knew it wasn't a bear, but it was huge, and dangerous. The guns were in the barn, and Eric wasn't sure his family was safe in the house. Eric wanted to get the guns, but Shelley told him to stay. She went up to Chelsea's room and woke her daughter. Chelsea was half awake when she looked out the window, but laid back down and went back to sleep. All five of the creatures were still there. One stood on its hind legs and looked right at Shelley. Eric felt an instinct to protect his family. With the creatures in the distance, he thought that he might be able to get the family car backed up close enough to get them out. Even with his disability, Eric went outside. Shelley went through the house, closing the windows. She finally found the two hunting dogs hiding in a shadowed corner. If the dogs were scared? Shelley was concerned. When Eric reached the porch, he realized that he might have the distance to get there. It was going to be the longest 20 feet of his life. He started to slowly walk toward the car. When he finally reached it, Grabbing the keys and trying to unlock the door, the motion sensor lights popped on. Eric was frightened, and very vulnerable. Suddenly, he was face to face with one of the creatures. It tried to reach into the light, but something stopped it. It bolted off into the darkness. Eric made for the house as quickly as he could. They decided to call the police, hoping for someone else to drive in while they remained sheltered. The police didn't take them seriously, telling Shelley to close the windows and lock the doors. Nobody was coming. They were on their own. Shelley heard them approach. They were on the other side of the outside wall, and if they wanted in, they were going to get in. Her family was being held hostage in their own house by these creatures. They weren't able to get the guns. There weren't any police coming. What were they going to do? Grabbing every sharp implement they could find, Shelley went and woke Chelsea. They needed all hands awake and alert. 
they all went into the master bedroom and laid on top of the bed, armed, waiting on daylight to come. When they heard the creatures outside, they were petrified. The only thing between the Martins and the creatures was the bedroom window. When morning came, they could finally breathe a sigh of relief. The creatures were gone. Eric called Sean, who came over and helped look for tracks. The tracks they did find were huge, with enormous claws. They showed a creature who could walk on two feet. These creatures had been hunting, stalking. Were they werewolves? To this day, nobody knows. When I was 11 years old, I went camping with my dad and my stepmom in a small town in West Virginia called Barnum. The park we went camping in was called the Barnum Whitewater area. Anyways, there wasn't a place to shower, and the bathrooms were just a hole in the ground and there aren't words to describe how vile they were. Our cabin was nice and cozy and was maybe 20 feet away from the river. One night, we decided to leave the campground to grab some food because we had almost no food. So we went to get sown food, it was really good lol. But anyways, we went back to the campground around 9.30-10 and decided to drive around, well, about one quarter of the way around, there is s a girl randomly standing on the side of the road with what looked like a torch, we pulled up to ask her if she was okay, and she froze, we thought she was drunk and drove off. As we came back around, about 7 or 8 dune buggies come around the corner and you're not allowed to have those in that campground. We were like whatever and went to the cabin. We saw that the screen to the window was pried open like someone tried to break into our cabin. We were debating on leaving and going back to where we live, New Jersey, when a guy comes up to us with that same girl we saw in the woods, he asked if we knew her because she was scaring him and his two kids. We said no and he walked off and the girl followed. We decided to get the hell out of there and while we were packing inside, she comes up the driveway and sits down on the porch and we tell her to get the hell off of the porch and she starts crying and runs away. The final time we saw her, she came up the driveway and started calling my stepmom her mom and my dad her dad, and we had not a damn clue who the hell this girl was. I can't really remember much about her but I know she was blonde and she was pretty tall. And finally, we left. Now, we called the police, but they said they couldn't help us for two reasons. One, we had already left, and two, the cops are not active after midnight. What if someone's being attacked, or threatened with a gun, and is about to die or something? We were in shock. So we went back and drove the freaking four hours back to New Jersey where we live and we didn't get home until like 4 a.m. In April 2011, a friend and I were stargazing on my roof on a dry clear night in New Jersey. We were observing the Lyrids meteor shower that wasn't producing as many shooting stars as we had hoped, but we stayed up there, intensely focused on the sky to see one every few minutes. After a couple hours of this, we caught a bright light in our peripherals. We turn around and see what looks like a bright blue-white LED flashlight traveling in the forest behind the house. At first instinct we thought it was the police with a flashlight chasing someone, but then we realized that the light was up in the treetops, weaving through the canopy. All we could say is WTF is that over and over again as it got closer to us.
It was traveling along the direction of the river behind our house and seemed to notice us because as it passed the back of my house, it slowed to a gentle stop then took a 90 degree turn onto the clearing of our property about 40 feet from us coming straight towards us. As if it had noticed us and wanted to check us out. This is when we got our first really good look at it. It was a perfectly defined glowing sphere of light the size of a basketball with what seemed like churning slash flowing plasma inside. Icy blue white hue emitting absolutely no sound at all. We started screaming at this point. As it approached, it moved very slowly compared to the pace it had traveling through the trees. It seemed almost cautious in its movement. It's weird but you could sense some form of intention intelligence in its movement. We were horrified because we knew nothing could explain what we were seeing. And we weren't about to f around and find out by letting it get any closer. We scrambled off the roof and ran inside, hiding under a blanket like scared little children, even though we were in our late teens. We didn't talk about it much after that because we just couldn't explain it. About a year later, one of my neighbors is banging on my door telling me to let him in. He told me that him and a friend were down by the river in that same patch of woods and were chased by a floating silent light ball. This freaked me out because I knew he was telling the truth. I had never told him the story of my encounter. A 23 female took my two dogs, a cane corso and a labradoodle, on a walk on a nature trail near my home. My car was the only car parked in the parking lot when I arrived, so no one else was on the trail. The trailhead only has one entrance and the trail has thick forest on either side of it. My dogs and I started walking in maybe three quarter of a mile and a man on a bike approached me from behind. I moved to side with my dogs to let him pass me and when he does, my cane corso lunged toward him. I held her back but that was unusual behavior for her. Around 5 minutes after the biker passed me, he passed me again going the other way toward the exit, and again my dog lunged at him. I thought it was extremely odd that he decided to turn around so quickly since he couldn't have gone much more than a mile, which seems like an extremely short bike ride. He was dressed in biking gear and had a professional bike, it just seemed like he turned around very quickly after he saw me. I decided to stop and let my dogs rest and I FaceTimed my boyfriend to tell him about my odd encounter. My boyfriend agreed to stay on the phone with me while I walked back because I felt unsafe. Then, my dogs and I turned around and started heading back to my car. About half a mile into our trip back both of my dogs lunge at something inside the tree line off to the side of the trail. They barked and growled and tugged on their leashes towards the area of the tree line. I did not see anything there but my dogs definitely sensed something. We moved on and made it to the parking lot and I saw one other car there with that man's bike hanging on the bike rack on the trunk of the vehicle. Once I got closer to the car I realized no one was inside. I have a bad feeling that man had very bad intentions. I think that he biked back to his car after seeing me, walked to that spot on the trail and hid in the woods to do who knows what. Then had second thoughts because I was on the phone with my boyfriends and I had two big dogs with me. It makes me sick thinking about it. I'm open to other explanations if anyone can think of one. I want this just to be an innocent encounter, just a misunderstanding on my part, but
but it feels sinister and I feel like my dog sensed his energy from the start. This situation made me realize that walking alone on a rural trail, even with two big dogs, is not safe for me. Edit, him using the restroom in the forest is unlikely. There is a bathroom in the parking area. When I saw his car parked next to mine, I originally went to bathroom area because I worried he might be in his car or by his car. When I eventually went to my car to leave that's when I realized no one was in his car. Sometimes I'd be blamed for causing problems I didn't know about, but rarely so it wasn't concerning and I always chalked it up to a misunderstanding. I 18 female, live with my brother and mom so not much goes on, we just coexist and sometimes my brother causes issues, but not usually me. But he's not causing these and they've been happening more. It feels like something's playing a trick on me often. Stuff like my phone pass won't enter for and then will with the same pass as before. My mom keeps nagging me about putting my muddy shoes away wrong and messing up stuff and I never do this. I always leave them out to wipe off. I haven't went out in a month but this happened twice? And today was the weirdest, my mom left and my brother was in his room. I had dinner for one hour and when she came back the counters were all scratched up like someone took a knife and scratched them. My mom said she might have to pay for them, renting. I was in my room and then washed my dishes so I wouldn't have noticed but she did right away and my brother said he didn't use knives. I only opened a package with one away from them. It's just a mystery, and she blames me because I was the one out but I was in my room most of the time too. I wanna say it's all a misunderstanding but it keeps happening. It seems like me. It's centered around me but I'm not doing these things. I don't cause problems especially not after being told not to, and she's brought this up. And seems to believe me because I seem confused but also thinks I'm just forgetting like something's wrong with me. But nothing is, like that, and I'm not forgetting? I have a good memory. I've come to think at times I'm being haunted or messed with, I mean what else am I gonna think at this point? I kinda just want it to stop it's freaking me out. I was canoe camping in Algonquin Park with my teenage nephew. Sunny afternoon on Sylvia Lake. No other campsites and a dead end as far as tripping routes go. We decided to take a leisurely paddle. He spots a red-tailed hawk perched in a black spruce near the shore, so he does the teenage thing and yells hey. Edit. One steamboat, two steamboat, and we hear hey. Weird. No formations that I can see that would produce an echo. I said do it again. Hey. Hey. Same result. The canoe is still moving and he tries a third time. No echo. Then, about four seconds later hey hey hey. He looks back at me as if I am to explain what's happening, but I'm at a loss. There's nothing in the direction from where the echoes are coming. I'm weirded out thinking that there's some loony out there that's been stalking us. In the tranquil wilderness of the Oregon Cascades, three of us embarked on a camping adventure, seeking solace amidst nature's embrace. Nestled among the deer beds near the mountain saddle, we settled in for a chilly late May night, unaware of the extraordinary events that would unfold. <laughs>
As the cold air kissed our faces, I succumbed to slumber, entering a realm where dreams dance with reality. In the depths of my sleep, a haunting sensation gripped me, as if an unseen force yanked me from the confines of my tent and dragged me downhill. Startled and disoriented, I awoke abruptly, my heart pounding, struggling to discern the line between the dream and the tangible world around me. Seeking solace in the certainty of time, I reached for my phone, eager to ground myself in its familiar glow. However, something else captured my attention, a flickering light, moving above our camp. Assuming it to be the presence of my cousin, I dismissed the strange occurrence, allowing sleep to reclaim me once more. With the morning sun painting the landscape in golden hues, we ventured out, engaging in light-hearted banter as we trekked through the wilderness. It was then that my cousin's voice pierced the serene atmosphere, filled with a mix of bewilderment and exhaustion. He revealed that his sleep had been restless, plagued by vivid dreams of being dragged down the mountain. My curiosity peaked, I probed further, asking our other cousin if he had experienced any peculiar dreams during the night. To my astonishment, he too confessed to dreams hauntingly similar, mirroring the nightmarish ordeal of being forcefully pulled downhill. A chill ran down my spine as the pieces of this mystifying puzzle began to align. Sharing my own nocturnal encounter, I unveiled the eerie similarity between our dreams, connecting the threads of an inexplicable phenomenon. During middle school, I dreaded taking the bus from my dad's house. The bus stop was across the highway and down a secluded dirt road, situated between affluent waterfront houses and a less affluent, swampy area. The setting had an eerie atmosphere, particularly in the early morning darkness. One day, as I waited at the bus stop, I sensed that something was off. It felt wrong from the moment I left home. Standing alone, surrounded by dense woods with no houses nearby, I began hearing faint movements in the distance. Something was slowly rustling through the brush, intermittently pausing. Initially, I dismissed my unease as paranoia, trying to rationalize the sounds. But my anxiety heightened as the noise persisted and seemed to draw nearer. I felt as though I were being watched, and the unknown presence in the woods seemed to be closing in on me. Growing increasingly fearful, I reassured myself that it was just my imagination running wild. However, the minutes dragged on, and the noises grew closer. The suspense became unbearable. Suddenly, silence descended, and a snap twig shattered the quietness right behind me. I froze, anticipating an animal lunging at me. I dared not turn around, relying on my backpack as a feeble shield. Then, I heard it a distinct, muffled cough. Undoubtedly human. Panic surged through me. The realization that someone was hiding in the woods sent shockwaves of terror. The pattern of sounds and their proximity made it evident that this person had been inching closer while trying to conceal their presence. Innocence was not their intention. Overwhelmed with fear and uncertainty, I contemplated making a dash back to my dad's house, knowing he possessed firearms for protection. However, I hesitated, fearing an ambush if I turned my back. Just as I was on the verge of fleeing, the bus appeared, illuminating the area with its headlights. 
I kept my gaze fixed on the woods until I heard the bus door open behind me. I swiftly boarded, rushing to the back seat. Although it was unlikely that the individual would follow me onto the bus, I was prepared to escape through the emergency exit and seek safety at my dad's house. As the bus transported me to school, I sat in the back corner, replaying the harrowing incident in my mind. I remained silent, unsure if anyone would believe my story and fearful of potential embarrassment. I never used that bus stop again. Years later, I discovered that the surrounding area, including the dirt road, was infested with sex offenders and criminals. It dawned on me that someone had been observing me at that stop, likely with malicious intent. The thought still sends shivers down my spine, and I am grateful for the fortuitous timing of the bus's arrival, sparing me from a possible ordeal so close to home.